Wonderful. I just want to do, uh, let's uh, share uh, a verse tonight before we dive into things. I wanted to draw your attention to a really great passage. Well, the Bible has always got great passages in it, hasn't it? But uh, draw your attention to Mark, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark chapter 10. And uh, starting at verse 17, it's the story of what we traditionally call the story of the rich young ruler. He's a, a kind of a, a guy probably in his 30s, I gather, we don't really know. And uh, he comes up to Jesus on, as Jesus is walking along the road and, um, and uh, he has a great conversation with him. And there's some insightful thoughts in what transpires as they talk together, him and Jesus. And um, I've called tonight... Uh, what the rich young ruler and I have in common. Uh, we could put what the rich young ruler and we have in common. So uh, Mark chapter, what was it, chapter 10, verses 17. Are you there yet? Brilliant. Pledge your Bible. It says, if you haven't got your Bible here, just listen up. Uh, now, at, at verse 17 says, Now as he was going out on the road... That's Jesus. One a person came running towards him and knelt down before him. It was the rich young ruler um, and asked him, Good teacher, I love it. He says, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so in verse 18, Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, uh, that is God. Uh, the true reality is, of course, that Jesus was totally good. It's just that he was uplifting his Father in heaven. And then verse 19 says, you know the commandments, Uh, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not be defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered, said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22 says, But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So obviously, Jesus has put his finger on the very point of his need, but he doesn't realize it. And Jesus says, You know, if only you'll just um, take the opportunity uh, to see that uh, treasure on earth is nowhere near as great as gathering, uh, in a sense, treasure in heaven. So take it across, follow me. Give, give to the poor. And he said, I, and at that moment, let's, let's believe that he eventually got there and did follow Jesus. But at that moment, he, he couldn't do it. And he went away sorrowful because uh, he had great possessions. Um, we see this man um, tonight. He was, uh, uh, he'd kept his nose pretty clean. He was beyond reproach in a sense. He, he kind of lived all the commandments. He'd done the right thing. He didn't commit adultery. He, he had one wife. He, he, he honored his parents, uh, maybe brought up his children to honor their parents. He, he, was, uh, he was in every way what you'd say a good person, a good person. But, you know, the reality is as good doesn't necessarily get you to heaven. Is that right? Uh, you can be very good but miss the boat altogether. Wouldn't that be a shame? Uh, because the reality is he just needed to take another step, and that step was to allow and believe and receive 
uh, Jesus into his life and be totally and fully committed and fully devoted as a disciple of Christ. And yet he couldn't do it that day. Hopefully he did one day, not long after, but he couldn't do it. So uh, he lacked something in his life and, and yet he was seeking out Jesus to find out. There was, there was still something that was uncomfortable in his life, even though he'd done all the right things throughout life. There was still something that he was trying to work out, something that was unfulfilled in his heart, and that's why he was there talking to Jesus. But unfortunately, he walked away from it when, God, when Jesus put his finger on it. I, I love the comment by a guy called George Clooney in these last couple of months who was reported to say this. George Clooney is that one of the stars in Hollywood. You know, he was in um, 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 oh, lots of movies. Lots of movies. Ocean's Eleven and all those type of things. And um, George Clooney recently said, I don't need more money, I just need fulfillment. And I thought, that's a little bit of insight into that guy's life. He's got, he's got lots of possessions, lots of riches, he's got lots of money, but ultimately, the, the, really the thing he's looking for, he says, I just need fulfillment. Isn't that a cry from everybody's heart? I just want fulfillment, really. If we really slowed down long enough just to consider our life, uh, the things that we really long for, uh, this world won't give. And this world can't take it away because it's only what God can really give us on the inside fulfillment. So one of the things that this, young, or this rich young ruler had done is he'd place God, he, uh, he, he kind of tried to place God in a part of his life in other words, God, you're allowed here, uh, but God, you're not allowed here. Uh, you're allowed, God, in all these areas. I'll keep the commandments, and I won't commit adultery, and I'll honor my mom and dad, and, and, and I'll do all those things. But God, when it comes to other things like riches, <laughs> uh, you're not allowed there, but you're allowed here. And so we see he kind of put God in a compartment. He kind of, you know, um, you know kind of, I suppose in a way, this, this rich young ruler created his list of priorities. We all do it. Well, to some extent, we do it. You know, and, and, and you know, he kind of had put, I suppose, in, in a sense, if you look at his life, he'd kind of, he was obedient to the commandments. So he was, I suppose he kind of, put God first up there at the top of the list. And, and then if we look at his life, he did say to Jesus, I've kept the commandment of not adultery. So he was probably married. So probably under God, he had you know, his, his wife. Uh, uh, some of it, of course, would be our husband. And, and then he, and he said, you know, honor your parents. So if he had a wife, I assumed that he had children. And so he, he kind of uh, had probably, you know, had God and then wife and then children in his list, the priorities. And, and, and you know, you've asked, been asked the question and you've told people, what's the priority? Well, it goes like this, God, you know, uh, wife, children. And, and I could take over from here now because that was kind of like the list, I suppose. If I had a list, I suppose I'd kind of put it that way as well. God. Uh, wife or husband or children, and then I suppose I'd go to, um, and then I'd go maybe church or work, and then I'd go to sports and leisure, and the list would go down the track. Is that about right? Uh, that's what we'd kind of do, and I think this young man had, had done that, and, uh, and all these things, and, and uh, he'd, he'd done this mental list. And he'd put it down, and, and you know, it, it probably looks something like this. Do you think? Do you think, you know, probably all of us, if we maybe we'd kind of change it around a little bit, I don't know. God, wife, children, church, work, sporting, recreation, I don't know what else you could put in there. But you know, they're the big things in life, aren't they? Um, they're the things that really matter. And so, we, like the rich young ruler, maybe we have this list of things tonight. 
But I suppose I want to challenge that list a little bit tonight. I want to challenge how you think about it because there becomes a problem when we have this type of list mentality in our lives because what happens is, is we find that we have competing priorities happen in our life. You know, because, you know, it's, I, I really... I really love my kids and, you know, I want to do certain things with them. But if it conflicts with what, you know, maybe God wants me to do, where do I put them? And, and you know, I'm not comfortable. Maybe my wife is second. Maybe she should be first or I don't know. You know, it becomes conflicting in our priorities when we sometimes have this mental list of all the things that we do. And we locate God as one of the competing priorities, and sometimes, and to have my children as number three doesn't seem right, and, and yet we need to put God first. And, and, the, and it comes, and what it really lines us up for is some future conflict and how we're going to live our life and live out this priority list of things. Um, maybe you don't have some of those things, so it's not really an issue. Um, and that's fine, but you can put your list in there and what the things you have to do. We, we kind of compartmentalize our lives. And just like the young men said, well, God, I've got you here, God. You can be part of this part of my life, but you can't be part of this part of my life. God, you can be here, but not there. Or you can be there, but not here. Uh, you can have this, but you can't have that. Um, God, I can, I'll, you know, I'll do this and this and this, but there's a bit of a struggle here. And so we end up with divided loyalties sometimes. And, it's going to, and, and, and I find with this mentality of a list mentality in life and these priorities that sometimes something's going to lose. Something's going to win and something's going to lose on certain days of the week or certain, you know, whatever it may be, months, and where we're going to say, well, you know, I know I need to go to church but, you know, my wife's important and my children are important and, and, you know, I needed to go to the football game today and so we'll leave church out this morning and I can go to the football game and then you feel a real, oh, tug of my heart, I should have been at church and, you know, I'm not talking to anybody, I think he's all uh, came to church this morning, that's brilliant. Who went to the football game this afternoon? It fitted in nicely, didn't it, Jeff, between the church services? We didn't have no conflict at all. We could go to the football game and watch the Titans win and, and uh, I didn't actually go. But uh, I heard about it. So, uh, so, you know, we create some elements of resentment sometimes in our lives because we have this list of mentality, list mentality. And, uh, and we live our part, life in parts instead of maybe living our life as a whole. And so the answer is, I believe, is that we have these, you know, instead of having these things in view in parts... Uh, we need to have a full view of them instead as one whole. We need to see them as a little differently in how we do life. And that's what I want to propose to you tonight, how we see our lives and how we do our lives. Because there's a verse in the Bible in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And it goes like this, and this is the NIV version. I've left out part of verse 16, not because it's not any good. It's just I wanted to pinpoint something, highlight. And it says, all things were created by him and for him. He is, be all, he is before all things, in him all things hold together. Don't you love that thought? All things, in him all things hold together. And the scripture kind of declares that God is first because it says, in him all, uh, it says before all things. So we got that bit right, God's first. But then it kind of says, um, it kind of pinpoints that God, um, that, that all things are kind of are in him. All things are in Him. And we start to think about that because, 
God doesn't actually maybe belong on a list at all. Have you ever thought of that? He doesn't belong on a list because, uh, and he's not at the top of, of a list in a sense because really, if you think about it compared to, and look at this verse, God's not on a list. He is the list. He is the list. <laughs> all things hold together with God. Everything that we do together works together. It says all things can work together for good to those who love God. Uh, so, so we see um, sometimes what we like to think is God on a list. I think we should take him off the list, throw the list out the window, and uh, we need to see something else that uh, here's the whole list. Uh, here's the whole list. See, in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it just says this verse. It actually says this. For in, it's a verse you know. It says, for in him we live, come on, and move and have our being. It's in him we live and move and have our being. Uh, great verse. If we just broke it down for a moment and said, live, in him we live. So God is everything. So my wife, my children, my money, my church, my work, my sport, my recreation, my family, if they're, not, uh, if they're on a list... Um, Sorry, if they're not on a list with God, but they, those things are not, don't have to be on a list. They're in Him. Those things are in Him. And if I was to draw this differently, this is how I draw it. I draw a circle. And, and I'd have everything in the circle. And you can put other things there. You can put your dog or your cat or your, I don't know, whatever else you, you think is important. But, you know, and God is really at the top, not because... He's at the top of the list. It's because he, in, he owns the circle, depending on how much we surrender to him. Depending on how much we surrender. And we give him our life and give him our day and give him our life because it says in him we live. Um, and here's the deal. Um, I can compartmentalize a God along with the other things that are important to me, my wife, my children. I can think, well, God, God is here but he's not, I don't want him over here. God can be part of my marriage, but I don't want him to be part of my work situation. Because I want my, I, I just, I don't want God in my work, because that's a different place. And, and you know, and I, you know, and sometimes we think, I, got, I don't want God to see what happens at work. Uh, but, you know, God can be part of my uh, church life, and God can be part of this. So, you know, if we compartmentalize things, we, we start to think, well, God, um, you can be here, just like the rich young ruler, but you can't be here. And I think that's not what God said. God says, it's in him I live. So my relationships with my wife, my relationship is in him. My sports, my recreation can be in him. My work can be in him. Everything I do can be in him. I can bring God into, into all that happens in life. And, you know, I challenge you to consider and think about that. It's in him we live. So to, to live, what's in, in living? Well, all of those things up there on the board, they're all part of my living. They're all a part of my living. I don't have to say, well, God, you know, I'll, I'll let you into this, but not into this. I was just um, um, contemplating some of the things I do, and I was reevaluating if I really do this in my life. Do I really allow God into my every part of how I live? Um, and I was thinking of my, uh, you know, um, some relaxing things I do, and, I, and on a Saturday morning, I'll, uh, there's a a running club in Gladstone that I'll go along to and have a bit of a run on a Saturday morning. And, and I thought, yeah, God, I, I, 
I just want to bring you more into that. And, and, and as I've kind of over the last couple of years done that and let people know, I've found that I've had opportunity to introduce people to Jesus in, the, in that running club. And, and has anybody committed their life to Christ yet? No, not actually yet, but I'd love them to. But I have introduced and talked to people about Jesus. And, and the next weekend, actual fact, I've built this friendship with this young couple. And about eight months ago, they came to me on a Saturday morning just before we kind of trotted off on our little jog all together. There's about 100 of us go for a, a jog together. Um, and uh, they said to me, his name's Brendan. He said, and he came up and said, hey, James, would you marry me and my fiance in April of this year? This is eight months ago. And I didn't have to think about it twice. I just said, you know, that would be a real privilege. I said, but could you do something for me? He says, what? He says, if I marry you, would you allow me to take you through a pre-marriage course? And, and I've got to let you know that it's got Christian content that talks about God. And he says, yeah, no problem. So we took him through that Christian pre-marriage course, and they heard about God, and they discussed God. And, we, and my office was McDonald's for the last several months on a Saturday morning. Uh, after uh, our run uh, there at the Lions Park, and we sit in McDonald's, and I buy them a coffee, they buy me a coffee, and we talk about God, and we talk about their relationship, and we talk about marriage. And next Saturday at 3 p.m., I'm going to marry them. And I think that's pretty cool. And I thought, God, is that what you meant when involving you in every part of my life? Whether it's my recreation, you know. And then I thought about my family. How do I involve my family? God, you and my family. And sometimes it's as simple as just before we have a meal. You know, I, I really don't like to think of kind of praying before a meal as grace anymore. I really want to think of it as an opportunity just to pray together as a family. And just, you know, it might take a few. Because sometimes grace can be really quick. Thanks, Lord. Food. Amen. Or why don't you take 10 more seconds and... And so, God, I just want to thank you for this. And we just pray for this family member. You know, so we've just started to do that a little bit. You know, it's just bringing God into every element of our relationship and our relationships in our life. Because it says in Him we live. And, you know, we can't be true to that verse if we never allow Him to come and live in our living. So, um, there's a guy called Eric Little. You may remember him. He was... There was a book written about him. There was a movie that was produced about his life. He was the wonderful guy who ran in the Paris Olympics in 1924. And, you know, he wouldn't run on a Sunday. And he, it was his personal um, priority and his personal um, commitment that he just felt that that was a particular day that he wanted God to be, you know, and nothing else to kind of crowd that day. You know, and everybody admired him for that um, that commitment he made. But the interesting thing was is that I really think um, when everything boiled down to it, Eric had got rid of the list mentality. And he allowed God into everything because there were some people who challenged him one day, his own family, about how he, he, he was giving pro, um, running all the time and, and winning races and, and becoming a gold medalist and world champion and everything he'd done. And he said, Do you know what? He says, when I run, I sense God's smile. And I, and I think, he says, God has given me fast legs for a reason, and I'm going to glorify God in that. And I think, man, that's a guy who's brought God into every part of his life and living, allowing God to live within his life. And I think that's so important. There, there was, there was a, a conversation Jesus had in, in John chapter 4, and it was with a Samaritan woman. You may remember the conversation 
Jesus and the disciples came to a well in the middle of the day, and Jesus was thirsty, was hungry, and the disciples all left him to go into the city that was nearby. He was left by himself. And as he sat there, a woman came up from that area, from the city near there called Samaria. And uh, Jesus had a conversation, and, and, and the conversation got around to God. And, it, and the woman said, you know, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, pointing to a mountain that was nearby, I imagine. But you Jews, you say that only Jerusalem is the place we should worship in the temple. And Jesus says in verse 21, straight afterwards, he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So what's Jesus saying? He said, sometimes we want to locate God in a place. Now, we don't really think about it that way, but we sometimes just, you know, I think this woman was trying to locate God in a certain place and, and in some ways kind of have a bit of debate with Jesus. And Jesus kind of really just pulled the um, rug from under her feet and said, you know what? Worship is not about a place. Worship's not about a building. Worship's not about this. Um, but you know what worship is? Worship ultimately be, it's not going to be there, or it's not going to be there, or it's not going to be here. Worship is going to be, I think ultimately, if the conversation continued along that lines, Jesus would have said, you know what? He went on to say, it's those who worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what true worship is. And I really think if we're going to worship him in spirit and truth, that's talking about every day just living life and letting it be an anthem of praise and glory and worship unto God and how we live life. How we live life in our workplace, how we live life in our marriage, how we live life in our family, in our schools, and our universities. Is it, is it something that honors God in all we do? Let him invade your life in everything that you do. And when you do that, people can't be helped but be attracted and don't let them be attracted to you, but be attracted to the reality of Christ in you. So we see that um, worship is not just 35 minutes on a Sunday morning and Sunday night, isn't it? Three, four, five, six, whatever number of songs it is. It's, worship is not just a, a, you know, located to that time. Worship is not just a certain song. Oh, I can only worship to this song. Would you get rid of that mentality that, oh, there's this certain song that I can only worship to? I think you're fairly shallow in your faith if you do that because it's not about a song. It's about an attitude of heart towards God. Is that okay? It's about a heart attitude of worship unto him. It's not about a place. It's not about a certain style. It's about our hearts towards him. And Jesus says it's not only we're going to live in him, but you know the truth is, is that, as it says, it, it's how we live and move, move, move. See Acts 17, 28, it's in him we live and move. And when we think about moving, when I see my life like this and that God is in everything, then um, uh, then I, we move with him all the time. We move with him all the time. All the parts are moving together. There's a synergy between us. And you know, our, we're made up of body, mind, soul, and spirit, aren't we? Body, a physical body, mind, your thinking and your thought life. Soul is, your, is where your spirit dwells, your, and it's where your emotions are and, your, and your things like that. And body, mind, soul, and spirit, where the Holy Spirit lives with us and we have a spirit. All those things are not tugging and pulling against each other. Sometimes the spirit and the flesh or the body want to fight each other. I want to do this. And the, and the spirit says, don't do that. It'll destroy your life. No, it, makes, it gives me pleasure. No, if you do, it'll only give you pleasure for a moment. Who has those arguments? 
Just me and Tians. Thanks, Tians. But you know, God says it's in him we live and move. We, he wants us everything to move together, everything to be in synergy or in unity. And Jesus can only do that as we allow him to live in our lives. Um, and so um, all the parts moving together. So when I'm, so, you know, when I'm at church, we can, sometimes I, I see people say, well, you know, once again, they locate, they have the list mentality. What's the priorities? And this is where they come into conflict. Oh, well, I've got church time and I've got family time and I can't combine the two. I think that's rubbish. Why can't you make your family time part of your church time and your church time part of your family time? Why can't you make time? Why can't they be all moving together? You know, um, do you know what I'm saying? Why can't we just say that, you know, uh, whatever I'm doing, they're flowing together. They, they don't have to be segregated. They don't have to be in conflict with, with each other. Um, why do we, you know, we can be together. Um, you know, oh, no, I've got to go to the beach. Yeah, we'll make it a family time. We'll bring God into it. You know, we're going to do this and this and this. Well, you know, let it, don't let it compete with each other. See it as an incredible blessing to flow all these things together and not put them in a list of priorities, but allow God to invade them all. Um, they don't have to compete. And so we just don't live in him, but we move in him. And uh, when we understand that, then the list of priorities goes out the window and we start to see that uh, everything is connected to everything. Uh, it all flows together. It's all, in a sense, we can allow a God to be worshipped in all that we do and how we go about life. So, uh, you know, as men sometimes, they talk about men, how we think in boxes, you know? You ever heard of that analogy? Uh, men think in boxes. You know, we have this box and we can shut the door in that box and just put it away for a while and, and, uh, and then we can, we can leave our work box at work and we can leave our family box over here. And, you know, and then we don't have to think about it. We don't have to think about that problem until we get there the next day and have to face work again. You know, we've got to be careful, guys, that we sometimes don't allow God. We put God in a box and just say, well, God, you're in that box and you're in that box. Works in that box. God, family, wife. And we just have it all very neatly, but we never allow. You know, God needs to have an open, he needs to have the key to every box of our lives, guys. That's why women sometimes can connect with God, because everything affects everything, doesn't it, ladies? You've got no boxes. When you want to talk about something, you talk about it. Enough said. So, the Bible says that we would, it's in him we live and we move. And here's the other thing, it's in him we live and move, but we have our being You've heard the saying that, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings, aren't we? We're being in him. And sometimes we get so caught up in doing this and doing that, and they're all probably good things, but why don't we just slow down for a moment and give ourselves time to think about who we really are? And here's the great thing about it, is when we start to realize uh, about being in God, that means I start to focus on who I am rather than simply focusing on what I do. And what, what you do is wonderful sometimes, but it's who you are that you need to give attention to. Because when you give attention to who you are, who you're becoming, your attitudes, your actions, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, and all, when you give attention to that, then who, what you do will be so much better and it'll happen so much better because you're giving some focus to who you really are and giving attention to what really needs to be sorted out in here. So that's what I believe God means. He says it's in him. We live and move and have our being. 
have our being, letting him be in us. And that means uh, that, you know, the list of things can get thrown out the window and we can focus on, once again, not compartmentalizing everything and saying, God, you can be here but not here, but allowing God to come and let us be truly human beings. See, you don't have a life, folks. You are a life. You are a life. You think, oh, well, I have a life. Yeah, that, that's a thought. But the truth is you are a life. You're a human being. That you, uh, it needs to uh, be uh, important that you allow God to be who you are and focus on who am I. And when you can start to answer that question, sometimes we don't slow down. And we just do, do, do. And our whole life is motivated. Our whole, our whole identity is wrapped around what we do instead of who we are. And if your whole life is wrapped around what you do, it, it, it comes to a very abrupt halt when you can't do, continue to do those things that you do. Do you know what I mean? You can't, oh, I can't do that anymore. Or, or maybe, you know, and all of a sudden when you can't do that anymore, your whole life collapses. But if you focus on who I am, it doesn't matter what collapses around you, what fails or what, because it's not, your life is not dependent on what you do. It's dependent on who you are in God. It's such a different attitude of life. Um, I'm not confined to, to one little part. My life is not competing with other parts of my life because God can be in all and, and of all and uh, in everything. So what happens instead of fragmentation, it becomes one and it gives me purpose in all that I do. And God can be a part of it. Can I have the musicians, uh, just you guys, come up again tonight? That would be great. Listen to this. When I don't have the list mentality... Then one thing rules my heart, and God is in all and for all. When I don't have a list mentality, struggles don't consume me because it's not the only thing in my life. That one thing is not the only thing. Ever see some people place their whole life and their whole identity in just one thing? There's only one thing that we need to place our whole life and identity in. I believe it's in Christ. And out of that will flow life so much better. When I don't have a list mentality and, and, and God is in all, then I negotiate the different seasons of my life, both good seasons and difficult seasons, because I understand all things can work together for good. When I don't have a list mentality and God is in all, I have more peace than anxiety, I've discovered. When I don't have a list mentality and God is in all, I'm more able to cope with the disappointments that come my way because I don't live out of my one thing. When I don't have a list mentality and God is in all, I, I'm not affected by what people think of me, whether good or bad, because I am secure in who I am in God. And when I don't have a list mentality and God is in all, then I don't entertain thoughts of rejection. Or on the flip side of that, I don't entertain thoughts of pride or ego. And, and, and I realize it's really not about me, but it's about Him in me. And I start to live life to the full. Can we just stand tonight? I come back to that question that I asked. How do you compare to the rich young ruler? His whole life <coughs> was around doing the list. Not committing adultery, tick. I haven't done that one. Honored parents, tick. I haven't lied, tick. You know, and they're good things not to do. I agree. We don't need to do those things. 
But when we're so involved in putting everything in a priority and list, instead of realizing that God, want, God is the list and putting Him first, it takes all the, all the hard work out of it, I tell you. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's in Him we live. And I wonder if tonight there's just, you're just saying, you know, I just need that life. I just need to come into that understanding. I just need to allow God to give me that revelation. I need to allow Him to invade my whole life. And you just want to say, God, just come into my life. I need your Holy Spirit more. To take the, sometimes the anxiety and the worry and the concern and the struggle out of my life. I just say, Father, come. I need you tonight. And if that's your heart tonight, it may be just, a, you know, and, and, and there's saying, God, just more, just more of you, just more of you. There's someone, I, I believe, here tonight that's just concerned about some issue that's about to face even in this next week. And God would just call you out and say, come on, hand it over to me. The very thing that wants to consume your life. It doesn't have to consume you if you just would see me first and then I'd, we'd be able to put that thing in the right, rightful place and it wouldn't become such a priority. Someone is here like that tonight. Someone else is just struggling in a, in a particular relationship tonight that really has created some heartache for them and, and they just need to hand it over because it, you need to take your hands off it because it, as you do, it continues to get worse. God just wants you to release that, give it over to him and say, God, come and invade that circumstance. Uh, there's someone concerned about some other family member tonight that's just concerned in relation to where they're going and what's happening. Maybe it's a health problem they're facing. And there's a real worry. And God just says, come on, hand it over. And if that's you tonight, I just invite you tonight as we sing this last song just to come before God at, at what, what we'll call, a, I suppose, an altar in a sense and say, Father, here it is. I surrender. I die to that and I allow you to have it. And saying, Father, just more of you. I believe that God just wants to fill you with his presence and holy touch tonight, Holy Spirit's touch. So you come tonight just for a moment, if you decide, just for us to stand together in prayer and, and say, here it is, Father. Come on, let's come to him. It's just, you come tonight, we'll just worship just for a moment. So, yes, Lord. i mm-hmm. 